I'm Jim Chesco. You know me as Chet. My partner, Bill Furman, is taking the night off. So uh, hang in there, Bill. And what a week it's been on the Philly sports scene. The Eagles suffer another ugly loss to fall to 0-2. The Phillies are still alive, sort of, for a playoff spot. But right now, they're on the outside looking in, having lost four straight games with just four left in the regular season. And the 76ers, well, they're still without a head coach. So what the heck is going on with that franchise? And for that matter, with the Eagles and Phillies management and their decision-making. We're going to get into all of that with a great guest who's back with us for the first time in quite a while. He's been writing about the Philly sports scene for 20-plus years, most recently for Philly Voice. He also hosts a twice-weekly podcast with the Colonel, Mike Kern. We say good evening to Kevin Cooney. Hey, Kev, welcome back. Hey, Chad. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, you know, the last time you were with us, it was two years ago, we were still trusting the process. The Eagles were defending Super Bowl champions. My, how things have changed. We'll get to those teams in just a bit, but let's talk Phillies first. They're coming down the home stretch of this 60 game season. They're still alive, as I said, for a playoff spot, but, you know, a sloppy four game losing streak right here. It doesn't exactly look like they're firing on all cylinders right now, does it? No, it doesn't. And obviously, the main culprit is their bullpen, and their bullpen that has been just embarrassingly awful all season long and when you look at it too you know they entered this weekend and they had a or they entered last week and they had a pretty good grip not just on one of the two wild card spots you thought well they could finish second against the marlins well that looks even more remote now with you know a game and a half back four with four to play the other part of it is jet They've lost all the tiebreakers. You know, interdivisional record is one of the main tiebreakers this year. If they lose to the Nationals tonight, and as we're recording this, they're leading, but if they lose to the Nationals tonight, they're going to be 20 and 20, and they lose that tiebreaker to pretty much everybody else in the field. You know, it, it's just one of those things. They have to win their final four. They're going to need some help. And even if they make it, I think that the overall flaws that have been revealed this year even in this 60-game season, are just so imposing that, that I think they're going to have to address it right now. They're going to have to address it in the here and now. Hey, you mentioned the bullpen. It is historically bad, in particular the newcomer Brandon Workman. Last year with the Red Sox, he was 10-1 and with a 1.88 ERA. Since joining the Phils about a month ago, he's 1-4, and four, an ERA approaching 7. How can a guy turn so bad so quickly? You know, that's a great question. Nobody quite figures out. But there's one thing you always remember about bullpen guys, that they tend to have really good years and then the next year have really bad years. I mean, you know, the case in point in Philadelphia is Brad Litch. You know, a historic 2008 and in 2009 really struggled. Uh, and, and there's – unless your name's Rivera, you tend to have that trend. Um, so Brandon Workman right now just – I think his confidence is shattered – I think, uh, you know, there's some mechanical flaws. He, he doesn't seem to have a lot on his fastball. That's the thing, I think, Chet, when we look at the construction of this team, especially this bullpen, one of the things the Phillies have not figured out is that in the, in the 2020s, you have to have hard throwers. You have to have guys who can go 98-99 on a nightly basis. The Phillies' main weapon out of the bullpen is JJ uh, 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 Jojo. Um, uh, yeah, and he's and he's about ninety five, ninety six. 
and everybody else is low 90s. And you can't, you know, you can't really have that anymore. And that's a flaw. That's one of their major flaws, I think, when you look at the at the grand experiment that has been this team and what's going on. Well, you wrote a piece last week about Philly's management, and rightly so, you were pretty hard on Matt Clentock, Andy McPhail, and John Middleton. If they don't make the playoffs or get quickly eliminated, do you think they will part ways with Clentock, or will Middleton, you know, bring them back for another year, saying, "Well, we had a lot of injuries, you know, bring them back." What do you think? Well, knowing how competitive John Middleton is, knowing how much he listens to his fan base, you can't sell Andy McPhail and Matt Clentac. And, and they're a partner group, by the way. They really are. I mean, it, you know, because for all the questions you have about Clentac, Andy McPhail is the baseball lifer. Andy McPhail is the guy who was the architect of World Series champions back 25 years ago now or 20, 25 years ago. But he was the adult in the room. He was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to, you know, really make an impact, and he hasn't. And, you know, I just don't see where they're separated. Could they use economic reasons to maybe bring him back, not when they have to pay a second general manager or another team president? Perhaps. Um, to be honest, with the way Middleton is involved in everything now, I don't know if you need a team president. I almost think John is that at this point. Um, and if that's the case, then then I think there's going to be changes. I can't if they don't make the playoffs or they don't make a run to like the National League Championship Series. I don't see how you could justify bringing them back at this point. I agree, and nobody seems to know what the heck Annie McPhail does anyway. Uh, no, <laughs> think about it. his main contribution to this team. Okay, if you really think about it, is. What they did, they moved Bulls Barbecue from right field to left. They put lights up, and the fanatic got weird looking. I mean, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of economic issues, uh, the key one this offseason is JT Realmuto. And uh, as you wrote in your piece the other day, how do you convince JT Realmuto, who is arguably the most important player in your organization, to stay with a franchise spinning its wheels in mud? How do you? Well, it's going to take a lot of money. Um, help. that would help, uh, you know, and I think, I think the one thing, if you think back at it, it's the wasted opportunities they've had on this and, you know, they could have taken care of this last winter. I, I'm not saying like the minute he's here from Miami, you, you sign him a long-term deal. You could have, but that carried its own share of risk. But last winter, before you got to arbitration, you should have probably had a long-term deal set up. Um, even when, it was mishandled even out of the pandemic when, you know, you think about it, that they had to, I'm trying to think of the way the phrase is. Clintech comes out and says, well, the market has changed because of everything with revenues down and all that, that the market has changed and, you know, it's a different landscape, blah, 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 blah. And then two days later, Mookie Betts signs for four, 300 or $400 million with the Dodgers. So the landscape really didn't change. And so by Saying that publicly, you have kind of greased the skids that, look, we're not going to overspend. We're not going to. And you can't do that. You know, you don't want to tip your hand and say we're going to spend anything. But on the same side, you can't make it sound like that. It's such a cold business decision that we're going to try to really kind of mess with you to get you at the absolute lowest price price possible. You can't do it. And I think it was mishandled. The question is, 
will Middleton now step in if he does get rid of Clintac, if he does get rid of McPhail, will he sign uh, JT Real Muto? And I, I don't know if – I almost think it's too far gone now to think that this is going to happen, especially the way Clintac talked on Monday. That was really disturbing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was scary. Uh, well, Alec Bohm has been a real pleasant surprise. The other guys that they've brought up this year, eh, mixed results with them. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot left down in the farm system. How bad is that farm system right now? Uh, above single A, it's really bad. I mean, if you think about it. And, you know, when you think about all the drafting that they've done and all the, you know, all the high draft picks they had, and, and Boom has been good. And, you know, is Adam Heasley anything worth writing home about? I don't think so. It, 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 it is, you know, they, Mickey Moniak has so many problems and he's not, shouldn't be in the big leagues. The depth is just not there. Um, it, this is a problem for them because, and, and look, even guys like Kingery, who wasn't technically their draft, it was, you know, he was the, the end of the Amaro years. But I mean, at a certain point, you know, if you're drafting, top 10 for five years, you better get something out of it. And they don't really have much to show. I'm not even sold that Spencer Howard, you can count on next year to be ready for a starting rotation spot because he hasn't thrown a ton of innings in these last two years. And part of that's and part of that's pandemic related. And part of that's the fact that, you know, he just hasn't built up the, the arsenal yet. It's going to be an interesting off season for sure. We make it back to the Phillies, but let's go to another, unpleasant situation mm. the eagles uh we're obligated to discuss them kevin the number one question this week what the heck is going on with carson wentz it is year five and although he's healthy we think instead of having gotten better he seems to have regressed as a reporter brought up on monday and you know peterson didn't really deny it when he was asked about what is going on with carson uh what's going on with carson is well one he game one he was behind an offensive line that was just a mess i mean you know and and, and Washington was blitzing from everywhere, and it seemed like after a certain point, his head just got completely on the swivel and everything. You know, he's not the most accurate thrower, despite what Chris Spielman tried to, to tell everybody nationally on Sunday with, with that. He just – there were a couple of videos. Dan Orlowski did a really good one on ESPN yesterday and talking about how wide his feet are on the Arcata Whiteside uh, interception, is how wide his feet are. How he's almost got no leverage. Uh, you know, it's almost like you, you spread yourself so wide that you have no leverage on your throws and it caused you to be inaccurate. That's kind of what it looked like with Wentz on, on, on Sunday. Am I saying he's absolutely not a franchise quarterback? No. But it, it, to bury your head in the sand and say that he's perfectly fine it, it is just as wrong as overreacting the other way. And, and, and Chet, they did him no favors. What they did in this offseason to him with the second round pick being Hurts, with the third round pick going to a linebacker who Tim McManus even said today is not going to see the, the field. It's two project guys out of the first three rounds, and now your first round pick is out. You're going to get nothing out of this draft class pretty much this year. It is a sin what they have done to this team, and that falls on the general manager. Absolutely. There's a trend here. 
<laughs> you notice that? Yeah. Well, how about the coach? Sean McVay was coach of the year two years ago, and a lot of Eagles fans thought he was overrated. He was not in Doug Peterson's league. Now we're wondering if maybe Doug, like Carson Wentz, has also regressed. Is that possible for a coach? Well, he doesn't have Frank Reich anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you look at what has gone on here since 2000, 2017. Yeah, the offense has struggled uh, through, you know, you know, 34 games of the regular season since then. Uh, and the Wentz developments have been concerning. I, I also think you're starting to sense this week, and it, it, there was another moment. There was a moment on Monday where Doug kind of, you know, did the deep sigh and, oh, that's a great question when it came about the regression. And then today when asked about Carson not making layup throws, which is, you know, just literal – Wentz was having trouble with the screen pass, and he had that type of game, remember, last year against the Patriots. He was awful against the Patriots. He was awful against the Seahawks. And, you know, Doug getting all snippy and everything. I think the head coach here is feeling some heat where maybe there's not heat really coming. And what I mean by that is he's not going to get fired this year. I just can't. Even if they go 4-12, and I can't see him getting rid of Doug Peterson. Um. But that being said, like, uh, yeah, I would be a little concerned. He was He's great at work in a locker room. He's great about knowing what pushes the buttons of his players. Maybe he finds that this week in, against Cincinnati, and maybe to get on a little run because of San Francisco's injuries. But uh, the X and O portion, yeah, they're being let down. And the fact that Marty Morningwig's back in the system to me is baffling. Well, you mentioned Jalen Hurts. Uh, we were all kind of shocked at that pick in the second round last spring. Uh, I hear Mike Missanelli, you know, saying the conspiracy theory that maybe they're setting Wentz up to fail and they want Hurts to eventually take over. Why do you think they did draft Jalen Hurts and what is his future? Who's going to be the Eagles quarterback in two years? Well, they did it, I think, out of arrogance um, that they didn't really need anything else. And I know that they would say, and Silski and I have had this argument, Mike's Mike's argument is, so they valued the position so much and they felt like they were getting good value because you have a guy who could be a potential fill-in by only having to pay him draft, a draft pick you know, number, especially with having to pay Wentz as high as they do. Uh, that They can't be serious in thinking that, that Jalen Hurts, if, if Carson Wentz goes down, that Jalen Hurts is going to save the season, especially this year. Like uh, Not having a legitimate backup on Sunday – to me, even if you dress three, not have a legitimate backup on Sunday who has taken reps in NFL games or taken reps in preseason games um, was a confusing decision. And there, I say this, look, I think sometimes they get too smart for their own good. And I think this general manager, especially now after they've won the Super Bowl, I think Howie has just developed this. I want a Super Bowl. I can do whatever the hell I want. And I think we're seeing that. And it's resulting in clouded decisions. Clouded decisions. There's no way that a second-round pick should have been used on a backup quarterback when you look at the holes that this team has at linebacker, when it has holes. They still had holes in the offensive line. They had holes... Quite frankly, they had holes in the secondary, too, that they, they you know, just kind of glossed over and brought Jalen Mills back and tried to move him into the safety. 
it, it doesn't work that way. You can't waste those picks. And yet now it's almost like three years of wasted picks. And the defense had a bad day on Sunday, just like uh, the quarterback did. Uh, minimal pressure on Jared Goff. The Rams rushed for 191 yards or something. The D-line was supposed to be really good this year. It hasn't been. And they don't have any linebackers on this team, as you kind of noted. What is the deal with this defense and how much of it is on Jim Schwartz? Especially if Fletcher Cox is going to be out a couple of weeks, which is being reported by Derek Gunn. Um, that with an abdomen injury or not able to play at least this Sunday. They, um, you need to get pressure. And I get that the Rams status was just the way that the Rams go with the quick drop, getting golf outside the pocket, able to move and able to get different looks. It didn't lead to having a six or seven sack day, but you got to at least make the feet get a little nervous. And golf was just way too comfortable. Mm-hmm. They, They've tried this formula the last couple of years with trying to get a pass rush up the middle with Fletcher, and, and they and they did it with um, uh, the guy who was from Atlanta. Um, was always hurt. Um, I, I'm I'm blanking on the name. I apologize. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but they tried it and and it, it didn't work then, and it's not working now. I mean, you're one of your main free agent defensive line. Your main free agent defensive line signing played 25 snaps the other day after missing almost all of camp, you can't have that. You just can't. And, and when, this is part of the problem when you don't draft well enough and you don't get Derek Barnett really involved and, and you have to re-sign Brandon Graham and you have to, you're just kind of compounding mistake by mistake because you have to kind of paper over with money. So Kevin, you mentioned this trend among uh, management of our pro teams, both the Phillies and Eagles obviously have plenty of questions regarding their direction and front office and that's certainly the case with the 76ers, too. They're still without a head coach. GM Elton Brand has a lot of detractors. Which of those three franchises is in the worst shape and which is most likely to get it together? That's a good question because the Eagles are looking at salary cap hell next year. Um, the, Sixers, the Sixers, to me, are interesting because you still have the two stars. And in the, the, that league, you're supposed to win with two stars. You know, you have... James and Davis. You have, you know, Murray and, and Jokic. Um, you know, you look at Butler and Adubato and all that. You know, and actually, Boston has about three or four guys that they can put as a good ensemble. The Sixers at least have those too. The problem is, if you're going to hire Mike D'Antoni, the one doesn't fit. He doesn't fit the coach's system, and that's Embiid. So if they hire D'Antoni. Are you going to trade and beat at that point? And what kind of value are you going to get for him? And if that's the case, you're still left with Horford and Tobias, which is salaries that just drag you down. You're never going to get equal value for Embiid. It's just, you know, they're all in their own stage of mess. I would say maybe the Eagles are a little worse because they haven't been able to draft and it, it takes so many more players on a football team as opposed to baseball and basketball to kind of get it together. But they're all in their own little state of spinning their wheels. And you have serious leadership questions about who's in charge at this point. Yep. So getting back to the Eagles, uh, I predicted a nine and seven season a few weeks ago. That's not looking too good right now. What is your outlook with a pretty tough schedule over the next month? I said eight and eight and I've downsized dramatically. 
Uh, I would not be surprised if they lost this game Sunday. Oh, I wouldn't either. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow can play, and they do have weapons on the outside that I think will be a tough matchup for the Eagles. Um, they could be a five-win team very easily. Because think about it. Still got Green Bay on the road. You got Arizona on the road. Now, teams change because of injuries and all that. Sure. Arizona, Green Bay, New Orleans here, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. San Fran's still not going to be easy, no matter how many injuries they have. And Dallas. And I'm just rattling that off the top of my head. I mean, you know, you're, you're lucky you got two with the Giants. You got one more with Washington, although that's the last game of the season. It may not mean anything. Um, you know, can they get the seven or eight? I don't think so. I just, if they lose this week, then you're talking, if you lose this week, you could be, and this sounds strange to say this, you could be in the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes in a hurry. Yeah, and it's funny, just a couple of years ago, we were thinking, hey, by 2020, all four of these franchises could be competing for a title. Hasn't really worked out that way. No, and, and I think part of that is just injuries. Um Part of it's bad luck. I mean, you know, the bad luck for the Sixers is if the Kawhi shot doesn't go, what happens? Sure. Uh, and you could run into the East final. If, you know, if you end up winning that game, you got Butler and Tobias and you don't have the Horford contract weighing you down and you have a good shot against Milwaukee and against the Golden State team that was beat up. I mean, you, everything here looked like it was pointing upward after 2017 and now it's, with the exception of the Flyers and the Flyers, there's still some questions they have to fix. Everything's trending downward and it's not good right now. Yeah. Very sad. Well, Kevin, I mentioned you're writing uh, some pieces for the Philly voice. You also do a, a twice weekly podcast called working the beat. Am I right? It is twice a week. Now are you in the kernel well, doing that? You having fun? Yeah, we're having fun uh, twice a week. We usually uh, do it on Tuesdays and now Fridays because of the uh, football season. Um, we enjoy it. We have, <clears throat> we, we, it allows us to vent. It allows us to, to get what's all on our chest. And we've been lucky. We've had some re- really good guests. We've had, um, you know, we had, you know, and, and in the pandemic, we were forced to, I'm sure you, you did the same chat. We were forced to adapt as far as even our guests. Um, we had Jim Gardner on. We had, you know, Robert Costa from the Washington Post who covers politics, who I knew from, you know, being at Pensbury High. And uh, he was also a big Phillies fan. So I knew Robert was big into that. And I, you know, you have different guests on and you, you try different things. And we did in the pandemic at this time of year. Now you're back to football and kind of the bread and butter stuff. But uh, I enjoyed kind of talking about that. And you don't want to go too far down the political road, but it allows you to, to expand the window a little bit. That's awesome. And where can people find Working the Beat? You can find it on Apple on a Apple Podcast, uh, on Google Play, on anywhere. Lastoutmedianetwork.com or lastoutmedia.com, I think, is the website. That's our syndicator. And um, you can find it always. I tweet out the links at Kevin Cooney and usually Colonel uh, retweeted at that point. So, uh you can find it if you follow me on Twitter, and uh, we'll have it always posted up there. Well, you get some great guests, and so do we, like Kevin Cooney. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Thanks, Chet. Take care. Take care. All right, let's take a break and talk a little insurance, shall we? If you are looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. All state insurance in Westchester, Pennsylvania. 
I'll tell you, one of the best benefits of having an insurance policy, an all-state insurance policy specifically, is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, the number 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. And I should mention that Tuesday, which was yesterday, if you're listening live, was birthday number 62 for this great rocker. She was born in suburban Philly, Joan Jett. Yeah, I love Joan Jett. I got to be honest. Uh, I saw her twice, 37 years apart. 1982 at a big show at JFK headlined by the police. And then again, last year, 2019, she was on the bill at the MMRBQ over in Camden and Joan now a rock and roll hall of famer still sounds great at age 62. All right. So here's what's coming up. Freddie Burns is going to join the show in just a few minutes to talk more Eagles and Sixers. And we'll also make our week three predictions and Fred will give his fantasy football tips. But first thinking about the visit from, Kevin Cooney, uh, yeah, be sure to track him down on the web. He does write some great pieces for Philly Voice, and his Working the Beat podcast is quite good. He and Mike Kern do that, as we said, twice a week, so check it out. Speaking of Philly Voice, Jimmy Kemsky put out a piece on there on Tuesday summarizing where the Eagles are two weeks into the season in terms of the NFL power rankings from the various publications that do those sort of things. They are ranked no higher than 20th currently, and that's actually kind of a gift when you're Oh, and two, and they are as low as 29. And one of them, I think that was USA today that has them down as far as 29. Keep in mind, there are only 32 teams in the NFL. So that's not very good. Oh, how the mighty have fallen still time to turn it around. Obviously there's a lot that has to improve though. And it really starts with the quarterback Carson Wentz. So keep an eye on him on Sunday. And in my travels over the weekend, I stopped into the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn for a beer and a bite to eat. I sat outside as usual, and there was a nice crowd there, but they do now have indoor seating. They're still at 25% capacity indoors because there are some bells and whistles that you have to go through to get up to 50%. So they're holding it at 25% for now. But as always, they have a great menu and a big slate of beers available. And while you do need to order food while there, you can fulfill that requirement with something as simple as a dollar hot dog. I did that Saturday because I'm cheap. Uh, they are open for lunch daily right now, and I highly recommend them. The Irish Rover Station House is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn, and you can check with them uh, on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Well, shall we talk some more football now? I think we should, so let's do that. When you hear that music... It means it's time to welcome Freddie Burns back to fantasy football and Philly Press Box Radio. And Fred, welcome back to the big show. <laughs> What's going on? How are we doing? Well, we're doing uh, better than the Eagles and the Phillies bullpen, as we said to Kevin, because they're neither of those guys are doing so well. But uh, you're here. You're smiling. You look like you're in a good mood. So that's good. Got to stay positive, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, hey, Fred, there was a big rash of injuries in week two. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, uh, the Broncos, uh, both quarterback Drew Locke and wide receiver Corlin Sutton go down. What do all these injuries do to people's fantasy teams here early in the season? 
Well, it, it helps other uh, teams that did maybe not didn't draft well through the first two weeks because now you got number one running backs available or receivers or quarterbacks that you can pick up. And if you um, if you have said players, you're trying to get the backup as quickly as you can. So in Carolina's example, everyone's going after Mike Davis. Um, Devontae Freeman just got signed to the Giants. So everyone's going to jump on that. And I would stay away from uh, any Denver quarterback, though. I know he had a little bit of success. I think uh, I can't – Mullins, was it Nick Mullins that came in? I forget who came in for him. No, Nick Mullins is San Francisco for Garoppolo. But um, I would stay away from that. But, yeah, it can – Saquon Barkley, he's probably the third pick in the draft. Yeah. Now he's gone. Gone for the year. That's a shame because he's a Penn State guy. So he was one of the New York Giants that I did actually like. Uh, Who are the big surprises so far in terms of fantasy impact a couple of weeks into the season? I would say um, it's it's tough to say. They're, they're, it's still two weeks in. You know, Calvin Ridley's having a year, at least week one, that looked like he's going to outdo Julio Jones, but you really don't know because it's been two weeks. Um, Tyler Boyd looks really good. I know A.J. Green's there, but Tyler Boyd's looking like a top five receiver right now. Uh, running back position, yeah, it's pretty status quo at this point at the running back. Clyde Hilaire. Edwards Hilaire from the Chiefs, but he was expected to be top 10 anyway, but he's having a good year. Austin Eckler is splitting carries with Joshua Kelly. So they're both have, I think that they're tied for the sixth most amount of carries in the league. So you would have thought Austin Eckler would have been the guy. Joshua Kelly's a surprise guy. You know, they're, they're still out there, but we'll know week six, seven, we'll really know who, who the, the pretenders or the real, real uh, players are at that point. Are you in leagues that uh, where you use a kicker? And how about that Chiefs kicker, Harrison Butker, two fifty-eight yard field goal Sunday, including the game winner in overtime that he had to kick like three times, once from fifty-three, twice from fifty-eight. That guy's pretty good. He is really good. I do have him in one league. I do have uh-huh. kickers. I hate trying to predict kickers because it's like you really don't know if unless you have a top kicker. But even if you have a top kicker, you still don't know if he's going to get a ton of field goals that week. I typically go look at the over unders. And then if I see a high scoring type game, I'll pick a kicker from said team. I'll stream that kicker for that week if they're adequate, you know? So that's uh I was going to say Russell Gage. I see your producer over there putting <laughs> Russell Gage up there. I thought you um, saw he that. is having a good year, but I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not sold yet. And, and I think I told you, Mr. Furman to start Fournette over him. And what happened? Fournette went off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> All right. Well, Fred, give us some advice for week through week three. Who should people sit? Who should people play? Give us some advice. Well, I'm going to hold the start and sit. You can see them on on edge of Philly. I'm going to give you the waiver wire picks. Okay. That that's probably going to help you more anyway, right now. Cause up until Sunday, you don't know. And I was pretty on point with the start and sits this week. If you if you read them, but um, quarterback position, Gardner Minshew is still there. Like go get him, pick him up. The the Jaguars are probably going to be behind and he's going to be throwing a ton. There's a good matchup this week with Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky. I don't like him every single week, but go grab him off the waiver wire. At the running back spot, like we just talked about, Devontae Freeman, um, geez, the Mike Davis from the Carolina Panthers, and Miles Gaskin actually is out touching, getting more touches and carries than um, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida in Miami. So that's an interesting guy to go grab. At the receiver spot, you can go get Russell Gage. He's having a good year so far, and he's available in most leagues. Tight end, I just want to say I've been all over this from the beginning. Cut Rob Gronkowski. Don't pick him up. He's Go with O.J. Howard. 
so far in two weeks, I've been on point. Maybe he gets catches the offense week eight, nine, 10. I'm telling you, he, he's not going to be a, a, a guy this year. And as far as defenses and kickers go, there, there's no real surprise. You, you find a quarterback that stinks or an offense that's not that good, and you try to stream a defense against them. That's, that's my philosophy anyway. Okay. Well, before we get to our week three predictions, uh, let's talk a little more Eagles. Uh, I talked to Kevin Cooney about it. Uh, they're just a bad team right now. You watched the game, of course, on Sunday. Carson Wentz actually got some good protection this time around from the offensive line, surprisingly good. And yet he was still very erratic. He still made some bad throws when he wasn't even being pressured. Um, what's your take on why he's off to such a bad start? Man, I, I expected him to be 0-2, but Carson's kind of kind of a mystery here. He is a streaky guy, but, I mean, he had 20 throws off base, and 15 of them were in a, in a protected pocket, as you're saying. So he had time. The line played great on Sunday, especially with Donald there. So I, if you watch the, the film and the, and the stuff that the beat writers show out and the guys that actually break the tape down, obviously I'm not one of those guys, but I watch all the people that do it. There's a lot with his footwork and the way he's throwing it. Mechanics shouldn't be an issue at this point in the career. I just think it was comes down to decision-making. He had a few drives there where they were moving the ball and that interception to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, it was just, just a bad decision. He has a lot of Brett Favre in him, and he always has. That was his favorite player. And I, and I think that's what that was. You know, It, it was like, I'm going to squeeze this ball in there. And, and he, Wentz has done it before. Like We've seen him squeeze it in there. It was just, we were down, it was first and 10, and he just didn't get that one through. If he gets it through, it's like, oh, Wentz, look at that cannon, kind of like last year, the last four games of the year. So I know he's struggling. He has struggled before. He typically rebounds and goes on a nice little streak. I'm certainly not off the Wentz wagon. I'm, I'm rocking number 11 right now All right. on purpose. So I'm confident he'll, he'll rebound. Yeah, we're going to talk about that game in just a bit. Um Lutz K, our producer saying Lutz K. You know what that means? He's predicting kickers. That's what okay. he's doing. Will Lutz. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> All right. Get to work, Chris. Uh, let's get to our predictions. What the heck, Fred? There are four NFC East games this week. And, oh, I checked, by the way, to see how we did the first two weeks. And, Fred, thanks to you being smart enough to pick against the Eagles both weeks, you're off to a very impressive 7-1 and one start. I'm five and three this week. We have four NFC East games to pick. And then I'm going to throw in one bonus game uh, that we can uh, take our shot at. So here we go. Uh, first up, we have San Francisco at the New York giants, the 49ers on the road are favored by four and a half, despite their injuries. How do you see this one up at the Meadowlands? This is going to be a tight one, but the giants just aren't that good. And Daniel Jones, I expected him to step up. I only know it's, it's only been two games, but without his running back, I think it'll be close. The Giants may may very well cover the spread, but Nick Mullins is adequate enough to beat the uh, New York Giants. I'm going to take the Giants by, or I'm sorry, the 49ers to win by three. Okay. Uh, we have Washington at Cleveland, a couple of bad teams. The Browns are actually favored at home by six and a half, um, which sounds like maybe a little high to me. I don't know. Um, Browns by six and a half over Washington. What do you think? Are you going to tell me who you're taking in the Giants? Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't mention that, did I? I am taking San Fran also. Yes, the 49ers will win despite their problems. Okay, cool. And then, I'm sorry, I, I missed – who's the next game? Washington at Cleveland. Browns are favored by six and a half. Yeah, I, I love the Browns. I, like I said last week, the Redskins are terrible. We just made them look good. Browns. 
Browns aren't great either, but I'm going to go Browns. Yeah, go with the home team and, you know, plus they're favored by six and a half. Cleveland wins that one. All right, the next one, very interesting. Uh, Dallas at Seattle. I keep waiting for the Cowboys to break out. I know they pulled out that wild one last weekend, 40 to 39, uh, but they still have some problems. Dallas at Seattle, the Seahawks at home, favored by four and a half. Four and a half's tight. Um, I'm going Seahawks, though. I, I don't think Dallas is good either. The NFC East, I think, stinks again. Dallas should have lost that game to the Falcons. That was ridiculous. I'm going Seahawks. Yeah, I was really mad that I turned the game off with a couple of minutes left, figuring it was over. Then I, I saw the score, and I had to scurry to find the highlights. That was just crazy. Uh, now, before we get to our Eagles selection, I'm going to give you the option, Fred. You can pick either one of these games as your bonus pick. Take one of the two, Green Bay at New Orleans, the Saints favored by three and a half, or Kansas City at Baltimore, the Ravens at home favored by three and a half over the Super Bowl champs. Which one you want? Who do you like? Go Pack Go. Drew Brees, it's it's the end. This is the end. 4.3 yards per pass. This is the end for Drew. Go Pack Go. Fred, I wrote the same thing. Green Bay, I'm taking the Packers. Uh, Kansas City, Baltimore should be a good game, but I don't know who to pick in that one, but I do too think that the Packers will beat the Saints. All right, let's get back uh, to the Eagles. They got a big one. It's really a must win this week if they want to have any shot, I think. You don't start 0-3 and make the playoffs. It's very rare. Cincinnati at the link. The Eagles are favored by five and a half. Who you got? I'm concerned here that it was six and a half. So the, again, the line's moving away from the Eagles. Um, Zach Taylor is the coach. He knows Press Taylor, obviously they're brothers. And then he runs the same exact system, not the same system, but he learned under McVay in um, Los Angeles. So he's going to know the game plan kind of that offense is nothing to sleep on. They have a ton of weapons. I just, I think the Eagles are going to win this. I think our defensive line is going to be able to take over eventually in this game. You've, we've yet to see Joe Barrows throw the ball down the field. It's been all dink and dunk. I think we'll we'll set our defense up to stop that. And their defense isn't really anything. So I expect an excellent game from Carson Wentz and the offense in general. I'm going to go, hmm, let's see, 31-20 Eagles. Eagles, 31-20. All right. You know, until the Eagles show me that they're making the necessary adjustments, and I especially mean Carson Wentz, I just can't pick them right now. I did pick them, of course, the first two weeks, but they ticked me off, man. If they lose this one, like I said, they're going to be underdogs the next three weeks. So this is indeed a must win. And while I do think they may well pull it out, I just can't in good conscience pick them. So, And plus, Jalen Rager is now going to be out for a few weeks. I'm taking the Bengals to win this one, 27-24 over the Eagles. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm taking the Bengals. Oh, and speaking of that Jalen Rager injury, Deshaun Jackson is a fantasy person to pick up because now his snaps have to step up now that Rager's out. Yeah, I really want to see them going to Jackson more often. Um, he played, I guess, a little more this past Sunday, but they didn't throw downfield to him at all. Now, in the first game, they did go deep a couple of times, but in the second game, not at all. Throw the ball deep, Carson. Get D-Jax open. Get the other uh, team worried about him. So I hope it happens. I hope I'm wrong, but I took the Bengals. All right, Fred, why haven't the Sixers named a head coach yet? Uh, supposedly they've brought in or bringing in both Tyron Lue and Mike D'Antoni for second interviews. What's taking them so long here? They've already lost out on Billy Donovan earlier, Tom Thibodeau, and Steve Nash got jobs. Are we going to get a new coach by next week's show? Well, First, I don't think they fully know what they're doing because this is Elton Brand's <laughs> first time doing this. Um, 
I don't really want D'Antoni or Tyrone Lou, so I'm kind of happy they're not, even though it's rumored they're the lead candidates. You said Nate McMillan, right? No, I like Sam Cassell, oh, okay. well, Sam who Cassell. seems to not even be getting an interview. Um, Udoka, uh, who didn't get an interview either, he's on the staff. He's highly respected. Yeah. But maybe, and I said this last week, they're waiting for Jason Kidd from the Lakers to give him an opportunity to see what, what he'll do. It, it is a thorough search. I can appreciate that. But when all we hear is the same two names, it's like, how thorough is this search? Like, go. I, I'm very concerned. I actually just told the guy I split season tickets with, I'm out after this year. I didn't want to leave him high and dry this year, but I'm, I'm out. Not that I'm out on them winning, but I just can't contribute money to an organization that, that it, it looks, it's a mess. Colangelo's people are still in there. Yeah, I know. They're still in there. Does it even matter who the Sixers choose as a coach, or does this roster need too many changes to fix things? I think it matters because, like, if you bring in Mike D'Antoni, he can't, he runs a run and gun shoot offense. You know, you've seen those teams with the Rockets and the Suns, and even the, when he was with the Knicks, our roster isn't equipped for that unless you surround them with shooters. But whatever person you bring in, the same issue that we've had for three years lies. We need shooters. <laughs> For what's going on with Edge of Philly Sports? You guys still doing a Wednesday show at 9.30, is that right? Yep, Wednesday, 9.30. We'll be doing that tonight. Um, we'll be talking a lot. It's going to go Eagles heavy, obviously. Um, the Sixers talk is starting to get redundant. The Phillies, that's a mess with these relievers. It's really remarkable. And then Flyers, we're hoping for the offseason. But, yeah, tonight at 9.30, me, Joe, and Al on Facebook. You can catch us there, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Should be a good show. Yeah, we were talking to Kevin Cooney about the Philly situation, the bullpen, historically bad. You've been watching them a bit. Have you, you ever seen, you know, this kind of a mess there at Citizens Bank Park and wherever else, you know, they play on the road? It's bad. I know. Like, I, what can you compare it to? We really haven't seen this before, just night after night. We've had bad closers, but just blown lead after blown lead. Do you imagine if we had 182 games of this? Oh, or 162, or whatever it. it is? Yeah, like – and you imagine if the if the fans were in the stands. Oh my God! There'd be riots. It'd be On wild. the other hand, if they had a bullpen, they could be you know eight games over five hundred instead of two games under five hundred. Which is why is I'm not as games. pessimistic about the future. I mean, we we as fans knew the bullpen needed to be fixed. For some reason, Clentac did not. <laughs> yeah. They went out and made like you know, I don't know, last minute moves. Like we couldn't have expect those moves that were made during the pandemic to, for workmen that we, we crossed the fingers. Maybe it would work out. Clearly it has not. I mean, they don't, they just don't have anyone. Who do they bring up? Cole Irvin, who's a starter or long guy and put him at closer. There's no one left and you just got to hope yet. They still may somehow make the playoffs. <laughs> I think if they win three out of four, they might get in. If they win four out of four, they will get in because the Marlins have a tough schedule too. They're playing the Yankees over the weekend. They have the Braves, I guess, tonight and tomorrow. So no guarantee the Marlins are going to win too many. Um, you know, the other wild card teams are still battling as well. They're right in front of the Phillies by one game. So anything could happen there, but you win three or four, you got a good shot of getting in, but keep in mind, the Phillies have to go down to Tampa Bay for the weekend. Tampa Bay hasn't lost a series at home in this 60 game season. So don't count on it starting right now. I, I almost I, – you don't ever root for the team to lose, but Clentac doesn't deserve to have a team in the playoffs. And if they do get in the playoffs, this is the exact reason why there's an asterisk. 
There's no reason why they should make the playoffs at all, even if they win. It's it's ridiculous for them to even have a chance to compete. And then say they do get hot like they did and win like 10 games in a row. Now they're in an NLCS. It's just they shouldn't even be in the dance. I hear you. Well, Fred, we're practicing load management here, so you need to go rest up for an hour because you got a 930 show with the Edge of Philly Sports. I certainly do. Check me out on tonight at 930. You can find me on Facebook at Freddie Burns on Twitter and Instagram at Fred Hugo underscore. And then every um, Friday I have an Eagles football preview on the edge of Philly.com website, as well as a fantasy football start one, sit one on the website as well. So read up, take my picks. I've been very on point with the Eagles so far. So hopefully uh, my win is right this week. Yeah. Even though it would cost me uh, a win or you know, I, I would lose it. I hope that I am wrong and go Eagles. Go Thanks, birds. Fred. See ya. All right, it's Raz Room time. Let's take another break for the Raz Room. We thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance on winning something they might not be able to afford or have access to otherwise. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line Razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop as well. Check out their Facebook pages, like them, or follow them. Again, it's PPCC118 Raz Room and PPCC118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. And I should say this also, happy 71st birthday to the boss, Bruce. Yeah, one of my favorites, Bruce. I've seen him 11 or 12 times. I think it's still 11 and uh, still put on a great show at age 71 now. So I'm sure we'll see him again on tour next year, pandemic permitting. Well, it is at this point in the show that Bill usually asks me about next week's show. And I'm going to do that right now. We have with us next week a first-timer joining us. He is a sports writer for the Delaware County Times, and he is the radio partner of Merrill Reese on Merrill's weekly WBCB Pro Football Report Show. And by the way, our thanks to uh, my friend Jane for helping to put me in touch with Bob Groats. Bob Groats is the guy joining us to talk Eagles and the rest of the Philly sports scene next week. Looking forward to that one. Bob's a good guy, and uh, it'll be fun to talk to him. I want to mention also that our Philly Press Box Radio YouTube channel is there for you. You'll find video versions of all of our shows that we've done since this past April, plus lots of other cool stuff on there. Go to YouTube and subscribe to Philly Press Box Radio. And be sure to follow both Philly Press Box Radio on Twitter and Instagram as well. I'm going to wrap up early tonight because I'm tired and I'm hungry. And uh, I, I got not a whole lot else, but I do have kind of a parting shot, not a real parting shot, but I'm going to say this. I watched the Emmy Awards on Sunday night, as I do pretty much every year. And of course, I took some abuse for that on Facebook. Look, I know a lot of people think awards shows are a waste of time. But as a guy who enjoys movies and music, and in the case of what the Emmys are all about, television, I find them worth my time. I know the ratings marked another new low for the Emmys for a second straight year. So what? But I enjoyed the broadcast. Jimmy Kimmel did a great job hosting it, particularly when you consider that he did it without any audience there in L.A. There were a few presenters who did show up. Uh, otherwise, though, it was all virtual. And one of my favorite shows swept all the comedy awards. Shit's Creek 
yeah, I said at Chitts Creek. If you haven't checked that one out or haven't heard of it even, give it a shot. The first five seasons of it are on Netflix, so uh, give it a go. Speaking of ratings, while NFL Week 1 ratings were down significantly from a year ago, Week 2 was generally pretty strong other than at CBS. Thanks to a wild Falcons-Cowboys game, Fox saw a solid increase from a year ago. The NBC Sunday night game, a great one between the Patriots and Seahawks, rose marginally. Was that? No, the Chiefs and Seahawks, right? Chiefs and Seahawks. Yes. Uh, That rose marginally from a year ago. The Monday night football game, the Raiders knocking off the Saints in their first ever game in Las Vegas. It was up a whopping 30% from a year ago. So while a lot of people vowed to not watch football anymore amid the protests and whatnot, there are a lot of people who still love watching pro football. All right. Now, speaking of pro football, uh, some sad news early today. We found out that uh, this guy right here left us, Gail Sayers. And the one good thing about being old like me, I got to see Gail Sayers play most of his career. He came on the scene in 1965, right about when I started watching football and began to understand it. So you know how old I am, if you can figure that out. Uh, Gail Sayers was one of the greatest players I saw as a kid. He was my favorite non-Eagle football player in the late 60s. As Ray Didinger said on the radio today, Gail was perhaps the most spectacular open field running back ever. Uh, He had six touchdowns in one game. He only really played seven seasons and only four full seasons, one nearly full season, but he was still a lock for the hall of fame. And he did get in there right away. He was called magic or black magic or uh, the Kansas comet, a comet and uh, j- just so much fun to watch. And by all accounts from uh, what Bill Furman has said, he's met him. And from what Ray Dinger and others have said, also one of the nicest guys in the world And uh, he has left us at age 77. So rest in peace, Gail Sayers, one of the greats. All right. With that, we have reached not quite the top of the hour. We're going to finish seven and a half minutes early tonight. I hope you don't have a problem with that. We'd like to thank our special guests, Kevin Cooney and Freddie Burns, our producer, Chris Furman. Great job, Chris. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave Lavoie of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Bill Furman, I'm Chet, and we hope you enjoyed the show and will join Philly Press Box Radio on Wednesday, September 30th through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com, Philly Press Box Radio. That's Philly Press Box Radio after the slash, you know, you'll find it. Or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Bullhorn, Stitcher, Spotify, and tune in and probably some other places that I don't even know about. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go birds and go Phils.